This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Steven. Mr. Kyle. <laughs> so here we are, episode 66, uh, and a very special guest, Mr. Greg McHale. Uh, what a fascinating guy, and wow. Just yeah, wow. Listen, that was, and you'll know why. Yeah, that was a great chat. Like before, we knew it. An hour was done. I was like, "Holy crap!" No, I, I, I want to talk more. It was. Uh, it, you, you see those Tony Ro- Tony Robbins infomercials on TV, and you just kind of get riveted. You're like, "Oh, this sounds kind of cool." It's yeah, but when you have Greg as a hunting version of that, he kind of pumps you up. Well, just so inspirational to hear what he he he's accomplished in his life, and and just his mindset. You know, you can just tell that that guy is program for success that just when he's talking you're just like yeah that guy is going places and uh, i want to be alongside that um just <laughs> yeah you know the accomplishments right like uh he talks about his um i'm not going to waste uh, my breath talking about it but you hear his adventure racing and some of his accomplishments and it's just phenomenal phenomenal yeah running 400 some odd miles at night in minus 40 and that that's that's crazy i'll say it that's crazy like and and he did it willingly so yeah <laughs> I, I was looking at it online going holy shit man yeah impressive for sure um so yeah great opportunity to listen to uh one of the the premier world-class athlete um you know just the stuff he's accomplished record-breaking too uh, He's he's got records that he's broken in the adventure racing world um so definitely someone to aspire to to be like and somebody that you can take uh, some really good advice from so with that in mind you and i talked about this uh and we talk about it on the show as well is um through greg's platform he does offer um training uh he's got training programs him and his wife denise um they have a power hunter fitness training program um and uh, I'm going to pick up their their gold package. So, you know, anyone that's looking to get into sheep shape and is looking for some sort of program to get on, um, I recommend checking it out. Um, come along the journey with me. I'm going to pick this up and um, I'm going to pick the package mm-hmm. up and, and start doing some training and, and see where it takes me. Uh, I, I always like to have some sort of training program and I've done several different uh, iterations of that over the years. And this just looks like a great fit for me. So uh, I'm going to pick up the gold training package as soon as we get off the phone here today or the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to have you guys um, come along with me and uh, yeah, I, I know it's going to help for sure. Just curious to see how, how good, how good it I, is. I, so. I, I still think you need to set up an OnlyFans for that. Do before and after pictures and get the, get the sweaty inspirational hashtag that influencer, you know, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. But uh, no, but what I will do is I will share my journey. Uh, you know, this is for me, I, I love uh, talking about, you know, that sort of stuff and, and sharing it with people. And if someone else is doing the same thing and, you know, I'd love to hear your feedback and anyone that has been on this program, I'd love to get your feedback as well. Um, obviously a great program and uh, Denise and Greg have put a lot of effort into it and uh, uh, a lot of really good quality content there. Um, it's interesting, you know, Greg talks about all three aspects of the program that they talk about, um, you know, there's the physical aspect, there's the the food aspect, you know, what you're putting in your body, and then also just the mental aspect as well, right? So I think that that's one of the things that stands out 
for me in the uniqueness of this is it caters to all three as opposed to lots of programs are just, you know, it's just simply, you know, go run or go do this or go do that or lift this weight and off you go. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. And the guy ran 430 miles. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So for the society, we have our wild sheep salute to conservation event coming up this weekend. It's uh, March 12th. And uh, we are going to be live from Kamloops, but it's going to be a virtual event. Uh, if you haven't signed up for it, get signed up. And the reason I say that is it's free. So you can register for nothing, gets a ton of great content. And, and then there's two other registration levels. There's a $20 registration level and a $50 registration. Um, there's tons of prizes. We're giving a bunch of giveaways. We're going to uh, dr uh, draw our sheep hunt um, on that, we have tickets left for our wild sheep raffles. As, uh, I mentioned before, over 150,000 in prizes there. Uh, we got a live and time auction. Um, you, well, you've seen it. Have you been on, you've been bidding on stuff, Steve, or what? Mind your own business. I don't want people to bid me up. <laughs> if anyone, if anyone wants to fuck with Steve, go bid on the, <laughs> I'm editing this right out. You know, that. <laughs> uh, we got tons of great stuff. Um, and there's a grizzly bear hunt on there. Uh, there's a Jurassic Classic team um, for our Jurassic Classic fundraiser. Come fish with me. That would be a fun weekend. Uh, every uh, summer, August, we're in Chilliwack doing some sturgeon fishing to raise money for wild sheep at the Jurassic Classic. But there's a ton of great stuff on our lived and timed auction. So, um, you know, check it out. Uh, go and get registered. Like I said, uh, we got we're giving away a stone glacier backpack, a sicted jacket and a yeti cooler uh just a great event it's going to be a fun weekend we're going to do uh biologist updates uh we've got a stone sheep hunt film uh we've teamed up with a hunting film tour just a ton of great content um go over to wildsheepsociety.com get registered now so with that um uh, we are going to go to episode 66 uh greg McHale is executive producer and host at greg McHale's wild yukon uh he's no stranger to the camera uh, Greg does a ton of great uh, content, and it's uh, it, kind of under that adventure racing framework, but he's out hunting and uh, involves airplanes, it involves um, sheep, it involves wildlife, it involves wild Yukon. It's just a great show, um, and Greg's just a great listen to. He's just so knowledgeable when it comes to you know uh, health, fitness, the backcountry, um, so I think you guys are going to really enjoy the show, and like I said, Go over to his website, pick up a program, and come on a journey with me. Let's get in shape for sheep season. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, BC. All right. Good morning, Greg. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle, Steve. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we connected down in Reno. It was great to see you down there and uh, great to be back in person, seeing some of these good old friends at the shows that we haven't seen for years, a couple of years now. So it was great. Yeah. Just, um, just getting out into, you know, down to the States and 
realizing that us up here in Canada, how far behind we actually are. Uh, that's my perception of it anyways. And um, yeah, it's so good to get back face to face and see people and, you know, really make those you know, like just talk hunting with uh, with a bunch of dudes again. It's been uh, I've been up in the Yukon for a long time and I haven't, haven't been able to get out too much. So it's uh, it's refreshing for sure. I yeah, it sure you, felt good. I imagine you guys are getting this this cold front that we got down here in BC. Like it's like minus twenty something here. In mid, I'm in Prince George, so I imagine you guys are quite a bit colder. Yeah, we just got that uh, that came through, and it's actually warmed up again. So um, that was I don't know how long it lasted for you guys, but it was literally only a few days. We've been we've had a pile of snow in the Yukon again. This is mm-hmm. uh, another record year. Last year was the same. So we're just dealing with snow more than more than anything, which is not common for us. So normally yeah. we deal with cold temperatures and not so much snow, but now we're dealing with a lot of snow and uh, yeah, the, the cold temperatures have been on and off, but nothing major. Yeah, it's been weird. We last week we had as high as 12 degrees Celsius, like a lot of our snow melted and then two nights ago woke up it was like what the hell how's it minus 15 this isn't right but it's supposed to raise up to five or six degrees by the weekend again just it's it's a weird year weird year i don't know Uh, what you you want to call it but uh (laughs) it's definitely not normal yeah so greg um you were down at sheep show obviously we've seen you there did you guys head over to um sci after that or what did what did you end up doing were you just down for sheep show Yep. No, I did. Uh, I did sheep show and that's usually, that's kind of usually my, um, I usually do SCI sheep show and shot. I try to get everything wrapped up in, in those three. Um, you know, I got young kids and I don't enjoy being down there for too long. So it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I usually try to get, you know, get it all done and get my fill of uh of people and and then i'm and then i'm kind of as much as i was just whining about you know it being nice to to get down there coming home is always great and my kids are just at an age where they're super active and they need dad around a lot and it just uh it just it's where i want to be so you know whether it's hockey or soccer or you know, gymnastics, whatever. It's uh, it's that time in the, my kid's life and in my life that I need to be here as much as I possibly can. So I try to minimize those trips. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, so Greg, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is, is let's kind of um, journey back to a young Greg McHale, where where you got started and, and kind of your passion for the outdoors. And How far back? Uh, Holy, that's a long way we're talking here, Kyle. <laughs> No. Uh, let's let's take it right back to the start just kind of you know you know where your passion for uh i guess you know hunting and the outdoors but uh, also you know you're you know you, you people know you for your you know your accomplishments you know with your fitness and athleticism and and i guess maybe touch about that like because honestly that that must have came from a very very primal very young age right so yeah so like uh fitness i would say you know is is the foundation of of all of it i didn't start hunting till i was about 14 i guess um my dad was a big fisherman um hunting wasn't number one in in the house fishing was uh but the as far as outdoor pursuits go but number one over everything was hockey (laughs) and (laughs) and just you know athletics and sports and you know i played 
you know, all kinds of different sports, but basically it was, it was really hockey in the winter and baseball in the summer. So yeah, those were the, those were the two main, uh, main drivers athletically, which don't really translate to what I ended up, you know, ended up pursuing athletically at a professional level. But, you know, every, uh, every, I shouldn't say every, but, you know, a lot of kids in, in our country, it's the only real winter sport we had was hockey. And if you didn't, uh, if you didn't play that, I don't know what you did because that's, that consumed all every weekend and after school for, for me, my whole childhood. So I, yeah, I don't think if you, if you didn't play hockey, I don't know what you were doing. Um, <laughs> maybe video games. I don't know, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was kind of it. That's my, my parents were both, um, hugely into my sister and my sports and just kind of pushing us and giving us every opportunity that they could. Um, we come from, you know, just pretty middle-class, middle-class Ontario, uh, is where I grew up and that's, which is far removed from the Yukon now. But, um, yeah, after, after hockey, it was, it was, I used to get a lot of days off school. This was a great thing. I used to get a pile of fishing holidays. Um, now I'm not much of a fisherman. I don't, it's not something that, uh, that I, you know, go out and do, if I'm going to do anything, it's going to be hunting. So fishing definitely is, is not a priority for me, but, um, I used to enjoy the hell out of it when I used to get Fridays off school and my dad would uh, load me up into the van and we would go and spend the weekend, um, just fishing off of shore somewhere in own sound or, you know, once he could afford a boat, I guess we got to use a boat, but I remember so many days just sitting on shore, just throwing the line in the water. And, um, yeah, that was kind of where it all started. And like I said, I didn't start hunting until I was probably 14, um, when I could legally get a hunting license. And then really in Ontario, all the hunting that I did was, um, bird hunting, whether it was field hunting for geese or ducks and um and then some whitetail hunting and i started out bow hunting pretty straight away i think just because there was just a longer season so that's kind of uh that's kind of how the hunting started and all of our holidays like we didn't have it didn't we didn't come from a family that had any money um all of our holidays were just pack up the car um or later years of the van and move you know, drive eight hours north into into the bush in northern Ontario and set up a wall tent. And that's where he spent the week, you know, fishing for speckled trout and just camping. That was that was our idea of what a holiday was. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what a beach looked like, really. I didn't know <laughs> what what, a you know, I would consider a holiday now. That was not even part of the program. And we didn't I don't know. We didn't miss a beat. We didn't ask for anything more. Didn't need anything more. And um, so it was a it was a great it was a great childhood growing up in Ontario. Now I wouldn't want to go back there to live. <laughs> um, that's that's for sure. I heat up. I tease all my buddies that uh, I have a lot of great friends back home, and you know they've all been out here too. So they realize why you know why I live in the Yukon. Um, because of obviously what I do, but I doubt that they'd all want to make the trade either. So, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things. I found the right place for me in the Yukon and my family. And 
it's uh yeah we're super happy to be here and we're blessed in so many ways to live in this wild place that we do and um but yeah it all it all started in ontario so with the kids do you guys find yourselves doing sort of the similar lifestyle that you did when you were young you, you guys spent a lot of time out in the bush or, or not as much well yes but it's a little it's changed a little bit and uh i think you know not necessarily for the better or or for the worse it's just different like now you know we have you know we have our own airplanes and our our idea of getting away in the bush and we make sure that we do it for at least a week every year we have um we built a cabin in in a fly-in only lake and it's a little piece of uh i believe it's just a piece of paradise we it's you know the nobody ever comes around we're the only ones on the lake and it's um it's fabulous so we make sure that we get the kids out there for at least a week at a time to you know just get them away from the as much as you know a lot of people would say the yukon is not uh, civilization <laughs> um, we get them we got to get them away from the city and and they just love it where they you know there's no tvs there's no there's nothing is allowed to, to well we don't have video games in our house anyways but there's just there's no electronics it's just you and your shoes and your swimming suit and that's it for a week and that's uh that's our time that we just cherish every year that uh but you know we fly in it's not like we're taking the <laughs> we're it's the cabin is is as rustic as it gets there's no amenities you know there's nothing special about it it's some plywood and a piece of the wilderness and that's um that's the way we like it that's awesome so you guys you fly in on floats or you got a little strip there yeah it's floats yeah awesome yeah very cool and then you know hanging out at the lake is it fishing you guys do some do a little bit of hunting or just just getting off grid it's just off grid really it's not um it's a glacier fed lake so there's not uh there isn't much for fish in it but we you know we got the canoes in there the kayaks and we just go get up in the morning and you know, the, we take it as it comes, whatever we feel like doing, we do. We don't have a real major schedule. We certainly go for hikes every day and try to go for go for swim or the kids go for a swim because it's way too bloody cold for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we just we just enjoy the time together. It's uh, because the world is so fast now and the kids have so much going on that your days can just fly by and you, you know, you're just going from activity to activity. And this is a time for us to decompress and just kind of get out and, and spend time together with no real agenda. And that's why we really love it. And that's why I think that everybody loves the outdoors. Like it just, you know, you get away from, it gives you an opportunity to get away from everything, you know, all of the bullshit. Like, <laughs> because especially we're inundated with it right now in 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 our worlds right and and um that's why i do what i do is because when i'm out hunting i have the opportunity to get it put it all put it all away and focus on the task at hand and you know get the job done and enjoy it and that's why you know we make sure that we factor those kind of things into our child's lives so that hopefully when they grow up they they take that along with them and they pass it along you know to their to their families and keep this uh 
you know, keep the wild places wild and the enjoyment of the outdoors. That's awesome. So kind of, I want to jump back to some of your formative years, but now that we're on this topic, so, you know, for you professionally, you know, you, you have your show and, and you're, you know, there is an element. It's a bit different, I guess, uh, in the sense that when I go out hunting and you go out hunting, it probably looks a little different, especially if you're recording your show and stuff like that. So how does that, uh, how does that factor? And obviously you're passionate. You've, you've been able to turn that into, you know, a lifestyle that you, your, your job, a lifestyle into a job that you love. Um, but does that take away from your experience when you're out there, like, you know, trying to get the show done and that sort of stuff too? How does that affect what you do? Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely has over, over the years, but it's a mindset thing. Um, like, you know, when we first started, the you know the production the television side and learning to to change the way that i hunt um to incorporate the cameras was the biggest was the biggest thing but i never went into hunting um you know i was never fortunately it was never a buck fever kind of guy i never had to you know to to kill something that was never how i looked at hunting i was you know otherwise I don't think that I would have, would have really enjoyed it as, as much. It's not about like two years ago, I'm getting off a little bit, but you know, two years ago, I never took a sheep. Um, and it's just, I spent more days in the mountains hunting sheep and, and I just decided that it was going to have to be something special for me to take it. So that's always kind of the way I've looked at, at hunting. But you know, as soon as you add two more guys and cameras and you have to get the shot on, on camera, um, it certainly adds an element of challenge to it that I really enjoyed because I came from that, you know, that most of my hunting was bow hunting. And now I know very little, um, of the hunting that I do is actually bow hunting. So that challenge is still is of the, of the bow hunting challenge that was there. Um, I think that I've got some of that back with adding cameras to the mix, uh, because if the camera doesn't get doesn't get the shot then it didn't happen <laughs> so um so there's a lot more patience involved and it has to you know things have to get things have to be at the right time you can't take those shots late you know excuse me in the evening or early in the morning because you just you, the cameras can't capture it so yeah it's it adds an element of challenge that i really enjoy um now as far as the style of hunting that we do um yeah, adventure racing is the sport that I used to do. And I certainly try to incorporate as much of that athletic um, lifestyle into the way that I hunt. And it's, I think that it's really just given me an, an extra bit of like, pleasure on how, how I partake in, in the hunts that I do. And that just is my style. And I won't, uh, I won't deviate from it for the purpose of creating more content. Um, like we don't produce that many shows a year, really. Like a lot of, like if I was doing a, you know, say a whitetail show, then you can produce 13 episodes in a, in a, in a season or more because you're sitting in a tree stand, but we don't, we don't roll that way. And we produce what we, what we can and we Sometimes we make double episodes because some, some of these hunts are 10, 14 days and you can't crunch, you can't justifiably crunch 14 days of hunting into 22 minutes. And, 
and make it make you know present it to the audience in the way that it needs to be presented like the guys that i have on the team both dave and carl are like super great guys or fit guys and you know talented dave is a really talented uh videographer and editor and we've all the three of us have uh, you know dave and i especially have grown from from day one together and um carl right at the start came in right right early so that really the three of us have been doing this and we we hope that people are enjoying it but we're not about to to change our tactics for <laughs> for anybody because what we're doing it is to try to portray you know wild hunting in an athletic way as much as we can obviously when i hunt with my dad um or i use machinery late season you know for moose hunting like the, this place up here is vast and it's in order to get back into some of the country that we do, we have to be able to, uh, to utilize all different means of transportation. And I love flying. So aviation is a huge, huge part of, uh, of the program as well. So I hopefully, yeah, that's, that's kind of what the style that we do it in um, as much athleticism as we can. And hopefully it uh, translates to decent content for people to watch. Awesome. So let's uh, just harken back to, so you talked about growing up in Ontario, your first hunts when you're 14 um, and then off to uh, university of Windsor. Were you playing hockey when you were in university? Did you, you played hockey for them? Yes, I did. I played, um, I played one year of, of hockey for them. And then I, it was like hockey was my personality is such that, Really, once I realized that this this whole hockey as a career wasn't wasn't really going to materialize, I started to started to lose interest. But at the same time, I was still good at it. So it's my personality is is one that if you're good at something, um, you know, kind of stick with it. <laughs> and so I, after college, because I played for the Barry Colts. Um, in and then that was in while well, I was at college and then after college I was like well what do I do with myself I you know it's one of those lost kids who didn't know where hockey's a career in hockey's not going anywhere as far as any real money sure you can go play in the sunshine league and you know down south somewhere and sit on a bus you know for six months of the year but that and make $35,000 but that really wasn't the kind of lifestyle I was looking for so I I knew I needed to have a real career, so and I didn't want to start a real real career, so I needed to continue on with school. So <laughs> I went to uh, I went to university after college, and and is the the best thing I ever did because that's where I met. Um, I, I shouldn't say I met my wife there, but we um, we reconnected there. We my wife and I went to grade one together, from grade one to grade eight, and then we went to separate high schools. Um, and then I went off to college, she went off to university. And the truth is that I picked the university to play hockey and based on, uh, that I knew that that's where she was. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I played hockey in, uh, at the university of Windsor after, and that's where Denise and I got together again. And then, um, after university, it was, we loaded up, uh, we loaded up her, I think it was a Plymouth Sundance and, we loaded it with every outdoor piece of equipment that we had. And we told our families that we were moving to Alberta. Um, we were going to go to Banff and look for work there. 
All the while, we did know that we were moving to the Yukon because if we had have told them that we were going to go to the Yukon, they would have, uh, I, I don't know what they would have done, but the first question would have been like, what are you act? What are you thinking, Greg? <laughs> and then her parents would have been, you are not dragging my daughter to the Yukon. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how it, how it rolled the university to, to out to the Yukon out West, as far as you can go. Awesome. And is that when you got into your adventure racing and that sort of stuff or, or how did that, like, obviously you had the hockey stuff in university and then, you know, off to the Yukon. So how, how did this adventure racing and obviously part of your DNA, but where did, how did that evolve? Yeah. So adventure racing was, um, took a bit of time. We, my wife is a, a tremendous runner. So she was, she was running and, um, I ran, to train for mountaineering and climbing. I used to, once we got out West, um, yeah, hunting was something that happened straight away, but the just adventure and the pursuit of, you know, just adventure led me to climbing. So I spent a period of period of years where climbing was number one on my list. And, um, I kind of, you know, I did some big wall stuff and, uh, climb McKinley and Logan and mountain or Denali, um, mountains like that. So that was really, uh, where I was pursuing the, the adventure in my life. And then, and then, uh, there's this adventure race came to the Yukon and the city of Whitehorse asked me if I could put together a team to, to race in it. So that's where the adventure racing started. We had been, we had watched my wife and I had watched, um, you know, the eco challenge on television and, you know, really thought that that would be a good idea. <laughs> um, and then when the race came to town, it just kind of fell into our lap and it was, it was the hardest thing. That sport is the hardest thing I've, I've ever done um, or certainly adventure sport, but it was the most rewarding thing as well. It's the sport of adventure racing takes you to a, a place that that I don't think that any other sport does. It just it's a team sport and it tears you down and you know really makes you look at who who you are as a person. And sometimes you uh you can find that uh, that person that you're looking at on any given day of a race is uh, not the person you're proud to be at that moment, but <laughs> um but it's picking up and and moving forward. And that's where the, the tenacity, I think the, to never give up and never quit really came from. And that I, you know, I take that into the, into the hunting world. And, um, we've been, uh, we've been very fortunate to have, to have raced at a professional level for the best teams in the world all over, uh, whether it's, you know, we've raced for my wife races as well. So, or she did, and um yeah we raced for the best teams in Europe and the US and Canada so it was a, it was a great career and it was a and it's an amazing sport so greg you've done a lot of things you've done the climbing you've done um, obviously hockey and a whole bunch of other stuff athletically what would you say is your biggest achievement was was it the 400 mile race from white whitehorse to dawson was it what 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 stands out for you yeah, I would have to. I would have to say the the largest achievement. Um, it's funny because the the largest personal achievement is also a race that paid zero dollars. 
<laughs> you know, and and it, but it was just the uh, Yukon Arctic Ultra is what it was called, and I had done a couple races in NWT called the Rock and Ice Ultra that uh, leading up to that, which really painted the painted the picture for you know attempting to try to break the record of a 430 mile foot race, which is was the Arctic Ultra or the Yukon Arctic Ultra that I did here. And that race, um, I, I call it the, you know, it was the highest achievement for me because I never felt that I could be so low and come back from it. Um, just beat down to a place where I didn't, you know, I couldn't imagine that I could be in so much pain and so beat down and have to dig out and come back. Um, now that, that race was a special situation because, uh, after about 30 miles on the course of 430, I never really saw another person on the course until the end of the race. There was a few checkpoints along the way, um, where I did see people, but otherwise it was just me and minus 40 degree temperatures pulling all of my stuff for 430 miles in the dead of the winter in the darkness and there's a lot of time there's a lot of alone time and mm -hmm. you got nobody to nobody to look to for help nobody to talk to it's just you and your own brain and your own pain and um that's uh it's a unique place to be mm -hmm. and of all the erasing all over the world i'd ever done it, it had never been like that where it was this solo event for that. I never saw anybody and it was the, the conditions were so extreme. So that's where, um, that's why I call that the, you know, it's the most rewarding and most difficult thing that I've ever done in my life. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at it now online and what the hell it's, yeah, like you said, dead of winter. Like that's insane. And it one of the little blurbs here. It says the trail race is marked, marked, but fresh snow, a lot of wind can obliterate the route, the route, leaving it difficult to find the way. Threat of frostbite hangs over you. Hours of darkness are brutally long, clouding your judgment. Struggle to eat enough. Sleep is limited. You're alone. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it uh it's it it doesn't when you read it like that it doesn't sound so appealing does it um no i went into that thing knowing that there was going to be zero fun obviously uh but i had a pretty i was at the the best shape of my life i was the, the mentally as strong as i've ever been in my life and i had that i had it dialed in and i knew that i could break the record um, if all things, you know, depending on the, on the conditions and how, because that race from year to year is, can be completely different. Like I dealt with, I know the temperatures were below minus 45, um, as I moved North toward Dawson, um, because I, and I know those temperatures because I trained, trained at them or close to them. So it's, yeah, it's, there's so much, I could talk about this race for hours because it's just one of those things that 
until you can't understand it until you go and do it. And that's what, like so many things in life, right? And that's why we, we love to hear stories of, you know, whether it's Mount Everest or, you know, these other, these wild adventures, because it's really difficult to put into to context until you've actually gone and done them. But this thing is a different beast. Um, all the mountaineering in the, in the world that like the mountaineering that I did, and I, you know, obviously I didn't do 8,000 meter, um, peaks, but mountaineering is a joke compared to that race on, on the, in the, certainly in the conditions that I had it that year. Um, it was a, it was a real, it was a beast. And the, the problem with me or the thing about me is in wanting to not just complete the event, cause you could come, you could go and do this event. And if you had, you carry a ton of gear and you look at it as a camping trip, um, that's one thing you could sleep eight hours a day until they shut the course down behind you or as long, but as long as you're moving, you know, they'll, they'll keep it open where my intent was to race this thing and to break the current record. So there was no time to take the foot off the throttle and I didn't have the luxury of having a whole bunch of extra gear. So I knew I had to cut my sleep down as much as I possibly could in order to, uh, to win this race. Now the year that I did it, I know that if, you know, if the top, if the top five expedition, you know, polar expedition athletes were there, um, guaranteed somebody would have died. I, I guarantee that because we would have been pushing each other so hard to like, as it was, I didn't know where my competition was because I was out there on my own the whole time. And the communications were, were crap. Like nobody was the organization of the race was crap. Um, there was a checkpoint that was supposed to be there. The last checkpoint before the finish of the race, um, was supposed to be there. And that's where I, it was like minus 45 and that checkpoint wasn't there. So this is, and I had dialed my race into, I know that I could do like a hundred kilometers at a time without resupplying for like, without having to start a fire for water and all of these things I had, I had it completely dialed in and then that checkpoint wasn't there. And then the wheels, well, the wheels didn't fall off the wagon, but it was riding the fine line of, of absolutely losing fingers and toes. Like that would have been a, that would have been a given. Like every year, somebody gets frostbite. Almost every year, somebody gets frostbite and loses digits. Um, but I'm saying it that if all of us were, if the top guys in the world were rare racing, somebody would have froze to death. Just pushing sure. each other so hard. Yeah, Kyle, pushing Kyle, each other let's and, do it. and lack of <laughs> <laughs> and just lack of organization was would have would have some would have led to somebody's death. So, Greg, did you break the record? I did, um, but I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't do it as fast as I thought that I should have done it. And a few <laughs> factors played in there. Um, <laughs> it, it snowed. It started to snow about just halfway through the race. And I broke like 100 kilometers of trail in my snowshoes. Wow. Would um, you do it again? No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, safe I, bet. I, like I'm just I'm not fit enough. Like I'm not like I was, 
and I guess that's, that's a personality thing about me that I know that if I don't have a shot at, you know, winning something, then I'm probably not going to do it. Now I'm more up for something like, uh, you know, a, a race to the fastest time to the South pole or something like that, which I could still do at my age. Cause it's just head down and, you know, really figuring out your gear. And, um, so those are the kind of things that would be of more interest to me now, but that particular race, um, yeah, I've done it. I don't think I need to, uh, I don't think I need to repeat that one. You ticked that box and broke the record. What was your, how long did it take you out of curiosity? I think it just took me um, just over eight days, like 201 hours, something like that. Um, I thought I should, I thought I should have done it a day faster. I figured on a hundred kilometers a day and the, the weather conditions or that snow really hurt me. Um, And there was one time early in the race that I stopped drinking because my navigation, I figured that I was almost at the checkpoint and um, I going into Carmax and I hit the Yukon river and I thought that it was just going to be around the bend. And it was hours later and I stopped drinking because I thought it was just going to be around the bend. And it was, it was like six hours later and I rolled into Carmax like, in a really bad state, just completely dehydrated, just mentally smashed. And, um, and I got it and I took the longest uh, rest that I did of the whole race at, at that point and, you know, kind of got it back together, but it took, uh, it took me a long time to get it back together, which cost me, I guess my, my, my time that, uh, that I had, but it's one of those races, you know, you, you think that you can do it in a certain amount of time, but the conditions have to be perfect. And they were definitely not perfect in uh, the year that I did it. What was your rest there in CarMax? I think it was almost eight hours. Yeah, it was uh, it, like I had, I had figured that I would never take a rest longer than eight hours. And the uh, um, most sleep that I was going to get at a time was going to be about three hours. Okay. So over the, over the seven days um, three hours at a time so that it did not play out that way. And I needed every minute of it to get mentally back, to get rehydrated and then mentally back in the game. Um, and then I was good after, good after that, but that was a complete mistake on my part by not, you know, not watching my map, not realizing exactly where I was because there was no GPSs. So I didn't know how far, um, couldn't use a GPS, but, um, yeah, it was just, just, absolute mistake on my part and i almost uh almost paid well i did pay for it for sure but anyways it all worked out so back then you guys had no gps but currently they use like for a race like that they would have a gps and that sort of thing well i don't know that yeah like i mean back like we had the spot um or uh in reach i guess type thing so they could uh they could track you and there was live tracking throughout the race but i never carried a gps um, because really, and, and I guess retrospectively, I, it wouldn't have been a, a problem to have it, but, you know, taking your fingers out of your gloves and playing with your GPS and it's really, it's a, it's a, my, it's a head down and, and just put the miles behind you. Right. Mm-hmm. And just never run out of water, always drink, always keep eating. That was my mistake. 
is that right. I didn't stick to my game plan, like eat every 35 minutes, drink every 15 and like, and I didn't stick to it because I just, whatever, probably sleep deprived. Um, I knew I, I was sleep deprived at that point. And for whatever reason, I thought that I should have, uh, it was just around the corner. And I told myself, oh, it's just going to be just around the corner. I'm going to go around here. I'm going to see the bridge and the town's going to be there. And then I'm going to get a hot meal. Well, that's not the case. Six hours later. Um, so, and then, and then the longer you go without eating and drinking, um, then, you know, you just get into this further state, you know, downhill and it just, it just snowballs into a bad situation. So, but yeah, it was, it was great. And the, the, the checkpoint before that, um, I got there and I was going to sleep at it. And the guy, the guy that was manning the checkpoint, he just got there before me. So it was freezing <laughs> cold, you know, the, the, the organization of, of the event is, wasn't prepared for the speed at which I was trying to run this race. Like I ran the first hundred miles in, uh, in 20 hours. So I broke the first, I broke the, the hundred mile record and I was doing the 430 mile. So they, they didn't quite, I guess they didn't quite an anticipate it or, or they ju were just not organized well enough. But either way, that race is one that if, if, if the race organizers are not dialed in, then people, people can die and people, and I'm surprised nobody has actually died, but there's been lots of, uh, lots of people going back to Europe without fingers and toes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, what, I just want one more quick question on this and then we're going to uh, transition. But uh, what did you guys, did you have a sled or did you just a pack or how did you, how did you carry your gear? Yeah, sled. So I pulled yeah. everything behind me. It's just the fastest okay. way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what would that sled, I know it's a not, you know, direct translation because you're, you're sliding on snow, but what, what is that? How much worth of gear did you have with you? Ooh, I did not have a lot of gear. Like right. I had as little, like as the minimal amount of gear that I could possibly get away with, with the race organizers. So probably not much more. Like when I pulled up to the start line, like I'm walking past, uh, you know, most of the other guys that are doing the full length and I'm looking at their sleds and I literally thought to myself, holy shit, Greg, are you making <laughs> a mistake here? Because I'm watching the, these other guys and their sleds and I know that they're not going to be racing me because I'm, you know, I'm driving a, a Lamborghini and they're, you know, they've got a pickup truck. So yeah, yeah the weight wise, I probably didn't have more than 30 pounds in my sled. Okay. What, how did you, what did you do with water? Like what did you, was it in a thermos? Like how did you keep it from freezing when it was minus 40? No, you've got it. Um, and this, here's some trade secrets. So, um, okay. <laughs> so I have it in a, in a camelback that is right next to my body. So I would have three liters of water in my camelback next to my body. And then a, uh, and then my coats and everything over top of, over top of that. Right. So okay. it will never freeze. But the, the thing is with your hose, um, you have an insulated hose, but that doesn't mean anything. You have to, every time you drink, you must blow all of the liquid back into, into the bag, back into your camelback so that there's nothing in the hose. Otherwise that hose will freeze. And then you stick that hose underneath your armpit. So okay. yeah. you, that hose is next, next to your body underneath your arm to keep it, uh, keep it from freezing. 
because once that hose freezes, then you're in trouble. It's all over. Yeah, you got to stop and yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's, crazy. And then your time, right? So it's all about wow. it's all about speed and efficiency. Wow, crazy, cool. Well, I got a million <laughs> questions I could ask you there. No but, kidding. Uh, um, I think we'll segue off that because uh, we might have to come back and just talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's you know for the sheep hunters amongst us, there's a lot of our listeners are sheep hunters. Let's get a little bit into the fitness stuff. And uh, Greg, let's talk about your program and about the Power Hunter program and what's involved with that. And uh, and I guess just, you know, like, uh, let's take me, for example. I'm, you know, a very low fitness right now. I get in, in sheep shape every year. I manage to get out in the mountain. I'm never in as good a shape as I should be. But uh, so someone like me, maybe one of our listeners, kind of an average listener, you know, let's talk a little bit about fitness and how we should uh, approach things and where we should be at this time of year thinking about sheep season. Yeah, well, um, it, it's interesting. Anyone who wants to hunt sheep, um, I think we're all in the same. Everybody's the same is we always look at it like, yeah, I'm going to be, I want to get in sheep shape this year. And, and then life gets in, life gets in the way. Right. And, you know, we sometimes you get away with it and, and you go, oh, you know, maybe I don't have to train that much because I'm just, I, I pulled it off this year or maybe you didn't pull it off. But at the end of it, all I know is that the fitter I am, the way easier sheep hunting is, or additionally, the way hard, the, the harder I make the hunt because having the ability to go day after day after day and is just is the key thing in mountain hunting generally um and the fitter you are the more miles that or the more training you put in the better quality of hunt that you're going to get and the odds of you being successful are going to go up dramatically i don't think that there's anything there's I don't believe that there's any better measurement of success than an individual's fitness. You can, you can shoot a mile. I don't care. You need still need to get within a mile. And sometimes just, you know, getting there is, well, that's, that's the hardest thing. And obviously putting yourself in, in great locations to be able to find sheep number one, and then going and getting them. So, um, yeah, Denise, uh, my wife is, um, she's a background in, you know, human kinetics. She's a nutritionist. Like she's got, um, she's got more letters and stuff than I can uh, even imagine, <laughs> but it's all around, but it's all around fitness. And then on top of, on top of that, she's an amazing athlete. So, um, they're the, all of the, really all of the success that uh, a lot of the success that we've put together is based on her knowledge of human performance and getting the best out of, you know, out of us that, uh, that she can get. And she's done a great job of uh, keeping our family fit and healthy and certainly has been the driving force between behind um, the human performance of our athletic career. So we've put together a, a program and more, I would say that she's put the foundation of the program together is to really maximize what we believe is the best program to get somebody ready, um, to move toward a mountain hunt. 
and we've uh, we've had amazing success with the people that have uh, completed the Power Hunter Fitness Program. It's it's been so rewarding for us to see you know guys drop you know a pile of weight and just and then go on to actually take a sheep. So it's uh yeah it's been it's been fantastic and the program is really working for people and the fundamentals the foundation of it is what uh, is what I use every day. So I know that it works and it's uh it's definitely proving itself out uh, for other people as well. So you're telling me if I use that for three months, I'll be able to do what Greg McHale does. What? <laughs> you almost spit your coffee out there. That it's was a good awesome. thing I didn't have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, Ab- absolutely. We're we're, we're going to have to teach you how to fly an airplane, and um, well, he's got that one down. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You're yeah. you're halfway there. Yeah, he's got that uh, one down. That's nice. funny, man. Um, Okay, cool. So no, um, let's talk maybe a little bit about the ethos of the program and um, cause I'm actually quite interested in, um, you know, I, I you know in the, in the research uh, for a podcast, I was looking at your program and it's that time of year where I start getting a bit more serious about, uh, about my sheep season. So, you know, I, I'm looking at this and I think that this might be a great fit for me. So, um, so an average guy like me, uh, is this something that I could adapt in my life that would work or, or is that, is it designed for a high performance athlete or, or somebody that's sedentary? What, where do we sit? Yeah, it's absolutely not designed for a high performance athlete. Um, it's, it's more specific. See the beautiful thing about the program is if you are a high performance athlete, you can actually use it. You just work. The, the whole point is that you work to the level that you possibly can, and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Right. And that goes with any work, any program you're going to get out of it what you put into it and you and i can do the same the same workouts together and this is what it's the foundation of it is is like is that we've recorded um myself and denise putting me through the workouts and we can do these workouts together and maybe you do 30 reps of one and i do 26. it's all about the effort that you're willing to put forward and and that's where um, where it really works. And some guys might only be able to do, you know, seven reps. And it's all about your ability at that time. But the and working up over the twenty eight days, and then you add. It's not the 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 thing that I think is lost is that this program. It's not just a workout program, like because the physical fitness part of it is just is one aspect. If you really want to be successful and you want to be, give the best shot that you got at being, you know, at killing a sheep is you need to look at the, at the big picture and the big picture is nutrition. It's the physical fitness. And it's also a mindset. It's, it's doing the work in adverse conditions, which build a mental domination attitude is what I call it. And and going out and doing some of these the training sessions, scheduling them, and no matter what's going on outside, outside, like you've got a ruck to do or you've got a run to do, you go out and do it. You, you schedule it. You say, it's okay, I'm doing it. At, I've got one o'clock on Tuesday. That's what time. And it's pouring down rain and sleet. Well, tough shit, man. 
you get out the door because mm -hmm. the sheep doesn't care. The sheep doesn't care that it's snowing or it's raining on you and you're sitting in your tent whining about the snow that's coming down. It's like, great, sit in your tent, dude, and then pack it up and then go home because that's, what that's what's going to happen. Every time we're on these hunts, there's always going to be something that is going to you know, put a chink in the armor that makes somebody crack on the team or, or you or me. And that's going to make us want to, oh, you know what? Well, the weather's crap and I'm not going to see anything. Who knows? We might as well go home. So those are the kind of things that this program is designed to do. It's not just designed to get you off the couch and, you know, and put 30 minutes of exercise in. It's designed to give you the mental, you know, some mental tips on how to stay out there when times are tough. Now, if you're physically, you're, you've got the physical ability because you put in the work to build the body. Now you've done it in adverse conditions. Now you're building the mind. And also you're putting proper food and nutrition into your system to be able to make sure that you're getting the best out of the machine. Because that's all this is. It's just a machine. And when we start to treat it like, like a machine, you put good things into the machine, you get good things out of it. And that's so lost in, you know, in North America, especially in the food that we eat, the shitty food that we put into our bodies all the time. And we just look at it like it's normal because it is, it's, it's being normalized. We're the fattest countries in the planet, you know, and if we don't, you know, revert that. And especially if you're wanting to, to take a sheep because sheep hunting isn't easy. And especially, you know, in some of the locations that, that you guys have down South, there's competition. And if you're not taking into consideration those three factors, which this program, which is built for, um, then, and you leave one of them behind, well, there's a good opportunity that uh, the next guy out there on the next mountain, he, he did take all three of them into consideration and he beat you to the sheep. And that's what I, that's what I look at it is if I'm not giving myself the best opportunity of success, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm not out there for a camping trip. If I want to go camping, I'm going to go camping with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like I'm out there for a reason. And the reason is to enjoy the nature obviously to see these beautiful places, but at the end of the day, it's to come home successful now. And even sometimes, yes, yes. Well, just being out there is a success. I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, we're out there for a purpose. And yeah. I go out there with the intent to maximize my ability to take a sheep or whatever mountain game that it is. And if I don't see one or the don't see the one that I'm looking for, yes, it is a success. But I've done everything I need to do to put all of the, the opportunities in my hand to, uh, to come away with the goal. Well, and you bring the point up is you get out there and you see your 12-year-old ram that you've uh, dreamt about your entire life and you don't kill it because you weren't ready for it. And then it isn't a success. It's a failure. And you're going to feel like it's a failure for sure. Absolutely. I we had a uh, have a guy in the in the program that he joined the program for exactly that reason. 
last year he was up in this drainage and the idea was, well, they're going to hunt this drainage and because there's big horns in it and, you know, supposedly, um, and in, but they didn't physically prepare themselves to go beyond that drainage and just climbing to the top of the mountain to look at the next one when the one that they were in was empty. Like, like what's, that's it. You're, you're limited. Your physical ability has limited you to one drainage and that's it. If you can't climb that up that mountain, take your tent to be able to look into the next one where that ram of a lifetime could be, then what's the point? And he came and very honest. He said, like, Greg, I, I need never to make this mistake again. Like my physical ability held me back from being mentally strong enough to climb the mountain and go and look in the next basin where, you know, the Rams, well, the Rams probably were. And, um, so great for him. And he got into the program. He's doing fantastic. And now not only does he have the physical ability, but he's gained as much the mental strength to go. I know that I'm going to the next basin this year. Like I know I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, great. If the Rams are in the one that, that I was, that I was in, but if they're not, I know that I'm going to the next one and then the next one and the next one. And that's what that's, you know, you build on it and that's, that's how it works. And then you're successful. Well, it gives, yeah, well, it gives you the confidence uh, for sure. That's what, that aspect of it too. And then there's also um, just the enjoyment factor that you actually, you know, you, you there's been times on the hill where I've been so exhausted and, and in horrible mm-hmm. shape and, you, and you're just like, you're not enjoying yourself, you know. Um, and, and you've given that chance to actually enjoy your experience when you're out there as well if you actually are in the proper conditioning for it. Yeah, I, I did my first fly-in this past September and I I – busted my ass up the hill for God, how long was it Kyle? Damn near a year to lose about 50 pounds just so I could be in shape. And wow. when we got up there, I, I had the, the backpack on and I was flying up. I was like, Holy shit, this is great for my mental health. And I was keeping up with everybody. The weather sucked. Didn't get anything. Uh, like not what we were after. Got a couple of great big bull moose, but it, it, made a huge difference on the mindset because two years ago even bear hunting around here trying to hike a a forest service road out of shape it was just like oh my god this sucks so yeah i I definitely need to get my ass kicked back into shape because i came back in late september and went all right i can put on a few more pounds and well here we are in february and i'm like no i need to get rid of those ones now so (laughs) well it's 50 pounds steve that's that's amazing so Congratulations, but and and I guess as much congratulations is that you recognize that it's time to time to get it fired up again. Oh, definitely. So definitely. I mean, that's 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 amazing. Anybody that can that has the mental strength to lose fifty pounds has the mental strength to do almost anything. <laughs> like because that is not a that is not an easy task. No, definitely and, um, wasn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I commend you. That's uh, that's amazing, Steve. Okay, so uh, help me out here, Greg. Um, I'm going to pick up one of your programs. I've, I've done a little bit of research on it, not a ton. Um, and for anyone else that's interested, um, Greg's got three great programs, it looks like. So um, I was kind of looking at your gold program. Is that something that would fit for someone like me? Or should I be, you know, do you start with a silver? Or do you go straight to the platinum? What's kind of, you know, what's a, the kind of the best pitch for that? Yeah, I mean, the um, 
the the gold is i would say is is going to be the the foundation of it all like if you if you're looking for the the platinum side is if you're looking for some specific um tweaks to maybe what it is that that you're looking for um where you sit down and you can talk to denise or i um a lot of guys that uh are looking for the platinum they they're looking to sit down and maybe talk about some gear stuff or talk about really specific training for them um and they if they're talking gear they're always talking to me but if they're talking really specific training um denise is denise is the one for them to talk to um and really the uh it's but the gold is probably the standard which because i believe um and we really have the silver out there which is the the physical just like kind of more the the physical aspect of it but it's you have to it's all about the three it's about the mental it's about the nutrition and it's about the physical and anyone that has done the um the gold and the taken like it's meal programs and a meal plan and everything um they really enjoy the meals my wife is an amazing cook and she's put together you know a meal program that really assists in dropping the body weight and you know lean lean muscle mass along with the workouts and it's just it's the I would I would absolutely say that that's where everybody should start. And if you cool. want, if you want to to uh, you know to more tailor it and ask specific questions, that's where you can get on the phone with uh, either Denise or I, and we can we can work you through some of uh, some of the other things. I can uh, I can certainly help motivate uh, some people and provide some tips that that really work for me. And that's where you know it's routines and just different things, different techniques that I use that work for me every day to keep me on point. And those have uh, been very successful for, uh, for a lot of the guys that, that need, uh, that need a little bit or would looking for a little bit of an extra edge. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think this is really timely and hey, I've been looking for a great program and this, I think this is going to be uh, a good fit for me. So mm -hmm. when I get off the, off the call here, I'm going to pick up uh, that gold program and start hustling at it. You might be getting texts from me though and asking what the hell do I need to do here? So yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, so the, the, you know, the thing is over the years, as I, as I get older, um, you know, obviously I love hunting, like it's, but I my wife and I, we really, um, we really enjoy seeing people not just succeed in, in the hunting world by virtue of the program, but just succeed in life because that's what this is. This is a program for life. And when you take control of Steve, as you know, man, you drop 50 pounds. When you take control of your body and you, and you, like you take, you take that back. That's something that that is so empowering mm -hmm. and and that nobody can take away and sure it's easy you know sometimes to to fall off but once you've done it you can get back on and i guess where i was going with this is that we find so much pleasure in helping people get in better physical shape and as much as that better mental shape and just be better people um because when I'm fit, when I'm, you know, everything is, is working, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm a better father. I'm a, you know, I'm a better husband. 
And that's what this is about. It's not just about hunting. Hunting is going to be a byproduct of, you're going to be successful in hunting, but you're going to be successful in every aspect of your life because you're going to have more clarity. You put good food in, you exercise, your brain works better. You motivate yourself to get out in difficult situations. You just become a, a higher level human. And that's what, that's is what really is uh, drives both Denise and I to continue doing what we're, what we're doing. It's, it's absolutely not about, um, you know, it's, it's not about anything else. It's, it's about helping people be the best that they can be. And, uh, because we all need help and we all need help. There's nobody that's above it. Like I need, I need help to like, I surround myself with great people that help motivate me to be the best that I can be every day. Am I successful every day? Absolutely not. I fail all the time, but it's recognizing the failure, picking yourself up and not beating yourself up over it. That's one, that's one thing that I don't do is when I make a mistake, I recognize it, try obviously never do it again, but I don't beat myself up about it and I move forward. And these are all, um, you know, it's all about the people that you have around you and, you know, you surround yourself with good people that are, that are all moving in the right direction and it's just inevitable that you just get better. Yeah, right on. Well, that's uh, that's sage advice for sure, Greg. And uh, I'm I'm gonna take your take your advice on it and uh, pick up a program. And yeah, really really excited about it. So we'll have to have you back in three months and see how how it worked out for me. Um, well, yeah, no, you'll uh, you'll definitely be uh, keeping me keeping me in the loop as to how it's how it's going. And um, yeah, maybe I'll uh, I'll make sure I keep you accountable. <laughs> Shoot, what have I done? Uh, right on. <laughs> well. Uh, I'm going to be respectful of your time here, Greg, and and we'd love to have you back again and chat more on this and and uh, maybe touch more into the the stuff for you know for our sheep hunters and fitness and and that aspect of it. But uh, I'm definitely picking this program up. And anyone listening, um, I guess how do they? What's the best way to to pick up a program? How do, how should they move forward if they're interested? Yeah, it's just um, www.powerhunterfitness.com is the the site. You can go on there and check it out, but. Um, additionally, what we should do is, uh, you guys are doing great things down there in, in BC and I really, really appreciate, uh, you know, what you guys are doing for wild sheep and conservation in general. And we need to, uh, you know, your next, we need to maybe give away one of the programs with, uh, your next event or whatever you guys got going on. So let's add that into, add that into the mix for your for you guys. I don't know whether you want to auction or whatever, however it works for you guys, but let's uh, make sure we get some uh, programs available for your audience. Get a That's awesome. Of, yeah. A couple of before pictures of Kyle and then an after. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, that, that That's great, Greg. We appreciate that. Yeah, we do have a, a, a fundraiser coming up on uh, March 12th. So we'll, uh, we'll take you up on that and we'll, um, we'll see what works for you. And we'll put one of those on there. And, and then uh, I'm going to try and keep, our listeners up uh, updated on my progress so you know anyone interested get over to greg's website pick up um well any one of the three i'm going to pick up a gold and uh, i'm going to start hitting it hard and getting in shape for uh, sheep season and, and if anyone wants to follow along with me um steve and i'll kind of do weekly updates on my progress and and uh, see how it goes and everyone can have a laugh at my expense so We'll get some sweaty photos uh, out there and uh, see, see how it goes. I think you're setting up an awesome. OnlyFans, Kyle. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I didn't say anything about pictures. Okay. No pictures, but, uh, awesome. Well, Greg, I can't thank you enough and appreciate all you do for, for us in, in the, in the hunting world, the conservation world, in the, uh, you know, health world, uh, just appreciate everything and just, uh, great work. Um, if anyone wants to see the show, what's the best way to, to go about it? Uh, I know you got some platform, a few platforms out there, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, we're on a few. So the, all the, the new stuff comes out on the sportsman channel first, and that's always in Q3, um, of the new, of the year. So that's where all the new releases, but, uh, you can check us out on YouTube, um, carbon tv and we're actually moving over to uh to waypoint tv so anybody that has a samsung smart television will be able to get that um get our content on on there it'll be streaming live uh and yeah and on their website as well so uh yeah that's but youtube is probably a super quick way for you to jump on there everything is greg McHale's wild yukon and guys i really appreciate you having me uh having me on um, it's always a, always a pleasure, um, when uh, I get to talk to fellow Canadians and, you know, we get, uh, we get to talk, talk sheep. And so we didn't talk that, actually that much sheep, but, um, I really appreciate you having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. And yeah, we'll get you on again and we'll, we'll chat, uh, maybe as we get a little closer to the, uh, to the sheep season and, and talk about your plans for the year and, and what you got on the, coming up on the show and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. It'd be uh, really cool to catch up. So thank you Perfect. again, Greg. Thanks guys.